0: My hope is, for me and for you, is that uh, as we reflect on these things, that uh, God by His Spirit will prompt us to pray more boldly, uh, to maybe move beyond uh, what sometimes is uh, our, kind of our safe prayers, that are comfortable and safe and familiar, and uh, move into some areas in prayer that are maybe, maybe seem a little dangerous, in a good way, in a positive way, but just challenging that move us out of our comfort zone a bit, or a lot. And so uh, last week, we... Uh, anybody remember, if you were here, two words, what was it about? Search me. Excellent, you're listening. So, yeah, we talked about search me, O God, search my heart, and there were four parts to that prayer last week. The first one was just those two words, search me. So, and and behind that was this... Uh, the knowledge or the recognition that all of us, you and I included, have the ability at times to deceive ourselves, to, and some of the most common lies that are told that we tell uh, are the lies that we tell ourselves, and so we ask God to search us, or one translation of that verse says, investigate my life and find out everything about me. So that was the first step. And the next step is to ask God to reveal our fears, the, the anxious thoughts, the things that hold us back, uh, that sometimes the things that we do or don't do are motivated not, by, not for good reasons, but because of our, our fears, and it gets in the way of our relationship with God. And sometimes as we look, about, look at the things in our lives that we fear the most, it uh, reveals in us the things, those areas where we trust God the least. So that's the second one. The third one was, uncover my sins. So of the four in this prayer, is probably the hardest one. And it really is a danger, dangerous prayer because oftentimes, you and I, I think, uh, don't always want God to uncover those things. We'd rather not see what's there. We'd rather pretend. We'd rather keep it hidden even from ourselves and certainly from others. And so I gave you some searching questions uh, to ask yourself And to, uh, in the presence of God and in in prayer, to ask Him to lead you in those questions, the answers to those questions. So as you reflect on that and you pray through those first three steps, then you're ready uh, to pray and ask God, lead me. And so as you pray that prayer, you may find that uh, in your life you've been resisting God's leadership, that you've been fighting against it or rebelling against it or just passively uh, kind of being a passive-aggressive kind of thing. That's my chosen mode of doing things. Uh, passive-aggressive, uh, you know, avoiding stuff that God's telling you to do. You're res- resisting his leadership. And so you need to come into his presence with vulnerability and honesty and humility before God and before others. So I have provided you with a tool for this week this week and last week. Uh, it's, it should be in your bulletins, the white sheets. So in that... Uh, in that sheet there's last week's kind of a, a summary of last week's message the four parts to that prayer of search me so that is in your bulletin what i want to encourage you to do is to take that with you and to begin praying it and and uh, don't be in a rush i mean it can take just a few minutes or it can take a longer time but allow god to lead you through each step of that uh, of that prayer and i think it will be helpful as you allow god to work So one of the things that I think uh, you will recognize as we started last week and we continue this week uh, is that uh, these prayers build on each other. So last week was search me, this week we're going to be talking about break me, next week we're talking about send me. So each of them build on the one. So search me, so as God uh, unpacks, investigates your life, there are things likely that he will show you that you need to confess and repent and get right in your life, and you need to ask the question, do I really want God to do this? Do I really want him to change me? And then today we're going to talk about uh, break me, which is really a scary one. Uh, we want God to work in our lives. As he reveals those things in that first prayer, uh, bring some things to the surface you may want to pray and say, God, I don't want that as part of my life anymore. I want you to break that, the hold of that thing over my life. And so we pray that prayer to break me. And then next week, we'll move into the final one, which is send me, but you can see how those first two lead into the third one. So I want to pray as we begin uh, talking about this second prayer today. So Father, uh, Lord, give us uh, your spirit, work by your spirit to guide us, open up your word to our hearts, help us to listen. Uh, Father, help us to take what you give us this morning and put it into practice. So Holy Spirit, Come and lead us, we pray, in Jesus' name. Amen. So, of the three prayers that we're talking about in this series, I think this is probably the the hardest, the most difficult, at least for me. Uh, The one that we would like to avoid, the most dangerous as such in a good sense. Uh, And some of you may, uh, some of us, may just blankly refuse to pray it. It, it's It's just too difficult for us to pray. And so we might want to avoid it. Uh, And this prayer gets right at the heart and kind of challenges uh, sort of oftentimes North American Christianity which says to us uh, in one way or another that uh, when you're a Christian life will always, you know, it'll get better and better, easier and easier. And uh, you know, that's the way the Christian life is. It's just meant to be smooth sailing from here on in. And it isn't always. It's often challenging. And so I I read a number of years ago uh, um, something called a Wesleyan Covenant Prayer. And uh, when I read that uh, prayer and I tried to to pray it, uh, I felt quite conflicted because in some ways I felt like this is what I want. You know, these are some things that I want to pray for myself. And and in other ways, uh, there were words in that prayer that I resisted because what if I pray them and God actually answers my prayer, you know? Uh, it was kind of a scary one. It was a dangerous prayer. So put that up on the screen, please, Irene. So here's the prayer. It's an old one. But as you see, it is quite frightening at times. Have we got it? That covenant prayer. It's our mouse. We, we need a new mouse, I think. Because it's, it's, uh, it's giving us grief. There it is. I am no longer my own but yours. Put me to what you will place me with whom you will put me to doing put me to suffering let me to be put to work for you or set aside for you praised for you or criticized for you let me be full let me be empty let me have all things let me have nothing i freely and fully surrender all things to your glory and service and now o wonderful and holy god creator redeemer and sustainer you are mine and i am yours i like the way it ends <laughs> There's some stuff in the middle I'm not sure about that make me feel uncomfortable that really challenge me in my comfort. It's a beautiful prayer, but at the same time, it's terrifying. Uh, and so as I, as I you know, gathered that prayer, I wrote it in my journal, and I prayed it, and I thought, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if I... There's, could I just edit this a bit, take out the hard parts? So our prayer this morning is kind of like that. It's sort of dangerous. But as you pray, if you pray... Uh, this prayer today, uh, over the next number of weeks, it has the possibility to open your heart up to the work of God in a way that could forever change your life. And so that is the prayer, break me, God. But why would you want to pray something like that? Why would you want to pray, Lord, break me? So what I'm not, I'm going to talk first of all about what I'm not talking about, okay? Okay in a sense, or what I'm not promoting, what I'm not asking you to pray. So it's not, it's not sort of a, a spiritual masochism, you know, I really like to suffer, right? So I'm just going to pray that I get more suffering. It's, I'm not talking about that. Uh, it's, not, um, it's not that we're just going to revel in it, you know, that it, somehow it makes me more spiritual the more I suffer automatically. Uh, so I'm not, I'm not uh, you know, it's not a perverse pleasure in feeling beaten up by God. Uh, what I'm talking about um, is, and it's not about, there's there's a kind of brokenness that's talked about in Scripture that is not what we're after here. And it's it's a brokenness that leads to kind of a damaged soul. It's, it's kind of the person who feels like uh, whatever's happened in their life to cause it or whatever they've done to cause it, they've lost all the will to live. Uh, their spirit is absolutely crushed. They have no motivation. They don't feel any reason for getting up in the morning, life really appears hopeless. That's not the kind of brokenness that we're after here. The Proverbs talk about that. In 15, verse 13, it says, a glad heart makes a happy face. A broken heart crushes the spirit. Or in Proverbs 17, verse 22, a cheerful heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit saps a person's strength. Just saps their strength. And it's not uncommon, is it? There are many people in our world today, some of you have felt that way, who are, are afflicted by a kind of a crushed spirit, whatever was at the root of it, whatever caused it, where it just saps your strength and you just have no strength to go on. And it's a terrible place to be. So that's not what I'm encouraging you to pray for in your life. But there is a kind of brokenness of spirit which is positive and is encouraged by scripture so i'm going to spend a little bit of time in psalm 51 Um, and uh, so verse 17 says this the sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit you will not reject a broken and repentant heart O god so the psalm is 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 uh, a psalm of david and it talks about a heart that was broken to god a will that has been yielded to him a person who has become, through circumstances in this case, of his own doing, his own sin, that he has brought those things to God. He's repentant and contrite. His heart is broken over them. And that the result of that act of bringing those things to God is not that his, his strength is sapped, that he's, he's left with no will to live, but he's drawn closer again to God. God doesn't reject him. God doesn't cast him away, but God brings him near. And so the brokenness that we're seeking is the kind that leads us, not away from God, not that pushes God away, but leads us closer to God. It brings us back to God as the only source of our help, our hope, and our healing. So there's lots of ways that we get broken, right? Sometimes uh, life just beats us up right we get beaten down by life and we feel broken and sometimes we're broken because of whether it's uh, things that people have done to us or, or even our own sin we're crushed by those things but but we don't often pray like this I think it's true we don't often pray we we may resist this kind of prayer because we don't often see brokenness as something that's actually valuable or desirable broken things usually in our lives are discarded. Uh, so we're, uh, we've been watching this uh, tidying, tidying show. I can't believe I'm saying this, but I'm kind of into it. Uh, uh, tidying show. So there's this Japanese lady. I can't remember her name, but she's really good at it. Mary Kanto, yeah, and she's so cute. And, and she comes into their house and gets everything organized and all the clutter. So I have the most, you can come and see it if you want, the most organized um, dresser. There's hardly anything in it. I can see where everything is now. And I got rid of a whole bunch of clothes that I never wear and don't like because they don't bring me any joy. So that's what she says. But anyway. I don't know why I was sharing that. (laughs) Oh, man. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) So (laughs) thank you, Mara. She's listening. I like that. Um, Yeah, so we've been getting rid of some things that just don't have any value to us. But landfills, you know, they all go, they go to the thrift store, most of it, and some of it goes to the landfill and, you know, landfills are, are full of stuff that uh, is broken and discarded. Some of that stuff was very valuable when we got it and very, maybe even precious to us and now it's, it's worthless, right? At least in our eyes. It's just cast off. And so that's the trouble with broken things, Right? And that's the trouble with broken people, is sometimes they feel like they've been cast off. Uh, they have no worth. You know, they're just on the, on the, the refuse pile. And broken, damaged goods, cast off, not work, worth that much. So why would I want to pray for more brokenness? Why would we want to pray this way? Uh, I've heard people quite often say, in, in terms of uh, patience, you know, don't pray for Patience. Uh, don't pray for patience because you don't know. You know you don't. You may not want what you get, right? If God answers that prayer, you may not want what you get, and so you could you could substitute that. I think for a lot of us, don't pray for brokenness because you may not like what you get, right? And so we don't, right? We avoid it, uh, uh, even though really we are <laughs> broken, that is, but we avoid it. So. I know we need to be patient. I need to grow in patience. I want to be more patient, but sometimes we avoid even seeking after that. I know that brokenness, in my head, I know this, I know that brokenness will lead me into a closer relationship with me, Uh, that as I confess and repent of the things that are actually breaking me further, that will bring me closer to God. I know that the scriptures in Isaiah 57, which we read earlier, say that... uh, God is high and lofty. He's holy. He's in a holy place, but He's also with those whose spirits are contrite and humble. I restore the crushed spirit of the humble and revive the courage of those with repentant hearts. That's where God is. That's where He's present. He's with people like that. But we get stuck. And sometimes we are afraid. We, don't, we lack the courage to pray a prayer like this, so we just skip it and move on and just go on in our brokenness. So there's lots of examples in Scripture we could go on for days talking about people in Scripture that, for whatever reason, and often it's because of their own sinfulness, they come to a place of brokenness, and, and in that place of gro- brokenness, they find God again. God draws them back to himself, and again, they, they are led into a time... Of fruitful living. So you can think about uh, David, and if you looked at uh, 2 Samuel chapter 12 or Psalm 51, which we've already read some of, we'll see how God used the brokenness of his life uh, to restore him. So David, uh, he's described as a man after God's own heart. He's, he was a warrior, a strong man, a leader of men. He was, he's called the greatest king that, would have, that ever reigned over the nation of israel but there's an occasion where he's confronted don't you hate it when people confront you with your failing he's confronted by nathan the prophet uh, in his sin and nathan tells this uh, nice little story uh, about a rich man and a poor man and the rich man uh, abuses his position of power and he uh, even though he has everything that he could ever want and even if he went to uh, to god he could ask for more He had everything he could ever want or need, and yet he takes from that poor man the most precious thing that that man had and uses it for himself. What a terrible person. Who would do that? And uh, he pauses in the story, and and, and David, in his righteous anger, you know, is just so angry. You know, we, we need to mete out justice on this wicked person. And Nathan says, it's you. It's you that story was a description of his life and the way he had treated his neighbor he was that cruel person and so nathan says to him why then have you despised the word of the lord and done this horrible deed for you have murdered he committed murder uh, uriah the hittite was murdered as a result of his actions He was killed and he'd stolen his wife and he covered it up and he lied about it and now it was all out in the open so you know i wonder if I was David, you know, how would I feel in that moment? How would you feel in that moment? You know, as that as he he, it's revealed that that story is not just some nice little parable. It's actually his life. It's actually what he had done. You think you could just see? I could just imagine the the blood draining from his face, uh, and his palms are sweating, and he's th- thinking like, "Oh no, that's me. What have I done? Uh, what's going to happen to me?" And uh, just absolutely devastated by what's, uh, what's been revealed to him. And uh, David's response, there's not a lot of words recorded of what he says, but in sec- 2 Samuel 12, it says, I have sinned against the Lord. So this man, this great man of God, a man after God's own heart, in that moment has been exposed as a liar, as an adulterer, as a murderer. And in Psalm 51, we get a glimpse into the impact of that moment in his life as he pours out his heart to God, as he's broken and he cries out to God. He's been broken by his sin. He cries out for mercy. There's no more excuses. Uh, He can't blame anybody else. He can't cover it up anymore. There's no other place to go but to God for mercy. And so in verses 1 to 3, it says this, have mercy o god because of your unfailing love because of your compassion blot out the stain of my sins wash me clean from my guilt purify me from my sin for i recognize my rebellion it haunts me day and night so in that moment as he pours out his his heart to god the greatest desire of his life in his brokenness is that he can be clean again And he could have that stain on his life wiped clean, washed clean, that he can be pure and restored and forgiven and back in relationship with God. So he prays in verse 7 to 10, Purify me from my sins, and I will be clean. Wash me, and I will be whiter than snow. Oh, give me back my joy again. You have broken me. Now let me rejoice. Don't keep looking at my sins. Remove the stain of my guilt. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Renew a loyal spirit within me. So through his brokenness, David has learned something that he def- desperately needed to understand. God doesn't want us to just, you know, when we do stuff like that, to, you know, just pick up, pick it up, pick up the pieces, pull up our bootstraps, uh, grit our teeth, and, and just continue on. He wants us in our, sad, not, in our sadness and our sorrow, not just to think about, oh, you know, what's going to happen to me or what are the consequences of, of this to me and my reputation. He's looking for a spiritual brokenness, the kind of brokenness that God can use in our lives. He wants godly sorrow, Second Corinthians says, that leads to repentance. It leads to repentance. It leads to change. And so David continues. He says, the sacrifice you desire is a broken spirit you will not reject a broken and repentant heart oh God it's not easy to be in that place it's painful David was a broken man and maybe he even shed some tears Henry Cloud uh, author consultant and psychologist talks about um, you know he's convinced that God created tear ducts in our eyes for a reason. Well, obviously, the obvious reason is to keep our eyes moist, right? Otherwise it's very uncomfortable if you don't have tears, right? But there's another reason for those tears. And this is his his theory. Um, Because he says, well, tears could come out any part of our body, right? They don't have to come out of our eyes, they come out of our ears. They come out of our kneecaps or whatever, I don't know. (laughs) They could come out of any part of our body, but they come out of our eyes. So he said, Uh, Maybe the reason is because uh, we are designed by God to have someone looking us in the eyes when we're hurting. Maybe God in his infinite wisdom allowed us to cry because someone else should be connecting with us eye to eye when we're broken. I don't know. That's his theory. Sounds good to me. So that's David. Now there are more, there's lots more. How about the Apostle Peter? He knew something about brokenness, too. So Peter, uh, you know, who always liked to just say what he, you know, what he felt and what he was thinking in the moment, uh, to blurt it out, didn't always get it right. Uh, Peter is the man who, the disciple who said, Jesus, I will never deny you. I will never, you know, reject you. I will always follow you. And shortly after that, he denies him three times. And on the third time, Jesus, the scriptures tell us, Jesus is looking Peter at Peter directly when he denies him on that third time. And he, uh, he, the scriptures in the gospel tell us that as he left the courtyard, after looking Jesus in the eye, after denying him three times, he went out of the courtyard and he wept bitterly. He was a broken man. He was ashamed of his betrayal of Jesus. But was that the end of the story for Peter? okay. You blew it, man. How, how You can't blow being a disciple much bigger than that, right? Cast off onto the ash heap of discipleship, another failed disciple of Jesus. Done. No more use for you, Peter. It's over. Blew it one, more, one too many times. Three too many times, actually. You're done. He wasn't cast off by God. Peter, after the resurrection, is the one who Jesus uh, gently, in a sense, rebukes him, but restores him and to fellowship, asks him questions three times. Again, uh, testing him for his love and his commitment to him. Peter is the one that after the day of Pentecost preaches and 3,000 people come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. The most broken people often are the ones that God can use in the greatest ways. Peter was a broken man, and yet God hadn't given up on him, continued to use him as he went through that brokenness and was restored to fellowship with God. I'm going to stick with my Japanese theme for some reason today. There were, uh, I came across this the other day. Um, there's a 500-year-old Jap- uh, Japanese art of kintsugi. I'm probably saying it wrong. Uh, and it's rather than in that culture, rather than taking some pottery or ceramics that gets broken and casting them, taking them to the landfill, throwing them out, uh, what they do is take those broken pieces, and a craftsman will practice this art and take, uh, it's called golden joinery. So it takes the broken piece, pieces and restores them with uh, lacquer mixed with gold, silver, and platinum, or platinum. And the philosophy, there's a philosophy behind why they do that, is that they treat the breakage and repair as part of the history of the object. Something of, it has something of a redemptive beauty to it so rather than something that we the broken parts rather than something that we disguise or cover up or replace altogether are part of the history and the beauty of that thing and so uh, they take that thing and mold it all together with these precious metals all its cracks and flaws are still visible uh, and it, it becomes something brand new and beautiful actually more beautiful than the original object and so the point of this little story is that god doesn't throw these things away he doesn't throw those broken pieces of our lives away he puts them back together he redeems those things and and brings out something even more beautiful so david knew brokenness peter knew brokenness did jesus know brokenness so jesus is having his last meal on earth with his followers he's gathered together with his closest friends He knows what's coming he knows that the road is leading to the cross he's gonna set his face toward the cross he is going he's not going to be dissuaded in the gospel of Mark verse 21 or 22 it says as they were eating Jesus took some bread and blessed it and then what did he do he broke it they took it he broke it into pieces and he gave it to his disciples and he said take it for this is my body And then after that, he took a cup of wine, and he gave thanks to God for it, and he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. And he said to them, this is the blood, is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. He said that blood is going to be poured out for many. It's broken, his body is broken, and his blood is poured out for you. So he's saying, I'm going to, I know what brokenness is about. I'm going to willingly go and be broken. I'm giving everything that I am for you, broken and poured out. In Luke's Gospel, chapter 22, uh, Luke adds one thing. He he, uh, records the same event. Jesus took the bread, he gave thanks, and he broke it. And he gave it to them, saying, this is my body given for you. And then he says this, do this in remembrance of me. So how do we understand that? Well, Uh, We understand that in terms, and we do this every month, usually the first Sunday of the month. We remember Christ, his death and resurrection, his coming again by celebrating the Lord's Supper, communion. We do that on a regular basis. Churches all over the world do that on a regular basis because we're remembering uh, what Jesus did for us, and we're enacting it again in visual ways, uh, the truth of what he did. But I, I wonder, and I think it is more than just obviously just a ritual that we do and we feel is important to do on a regular basis. We remember that he was broken, that he was poured out, and I think that more than the ritual, we're, we're wanting to remind ourselves to live as Jesus lived. God uh, calls us to die. And so just like Jesus was broken and his life was poured out, he tells us that we need to die to ourselves daily daily. So that we can live for his glory and the gospel tells us uh, uh, reminds us i think that don't just act don't just do the act don't just do the ritual may you also be broken and poured out in the way that i was uh, you know not the actual specifics of it but just the self-giving life that we're not going to hold on to our brokenness we're going to open up our hearts to him Allow his, him to meld us all together to redeem those broken parts and to begin to use us again, broken and poured out. So in all of your life, my life, your life, there comes moments uh, when we get to the end of our resources, when we're at the end of our rope, when uh, those resources, those, our strength, our wisdom uh, is just insufficient. We, can't, we realize we can't solve this problem, we can't heal ourselves, we can't save ourselves. We can't even generate any hope in the midst of a hopeless situation. We've been broken, maybe by our own sin, maybe filled with guilt and shame. We've been broken and scarred sometimes by the sins of others. Maybe we just feel like we've been broken down by life. So, what do we do in those moments? What do we do with it? Because they come. Do we just gloss over it, pretend it's not air, run away from it? Because you know, the reality is, whether we want to admit it or not, we're broken people. We are. But Jesus is the great physician. He is the Son of God. He went to the cross. His body was broken. His blood was shed. He died and rose again so that we can have wholeness and health and healing and forgiveness and transformation. So today, I want all of us, I think I'm enc- I'm encouraging you, all of you, to call on him because God does not, as Psalm 51 says, he does not reject a repentant heart. He won't turn you away. So, it's a difficult prayer. This prayer in particular is dangerous. We pray it out of our brokenness, our sinfulness, the ways that we've rebelled against God, rejected his grace, and we recognize how much you and I need Jesus. We don't want to gloss over it, we don't want to pretend that it's not there. We don't want to continue deceiving ourselves. And as we go through this process and we ask God to search us, there are going to be things that, that come up. As we recognize that we've resisted God's leadership in our lives, we need, will need to turn from that. And so we can pray and ask God, uh, it's, I need you to break the hold of those things on my life, to break me. Come near. I want to lead you in a short prayer. And I'm going to give you a a tool that I think will be helpful in this process. So let's pray together. Would you bow with me as we pray? God, I know you give grace to the humble. And so I ask God to do a deep work in my heart and to break me. Break me of my pride. Break me of my selfishness. Break me of anything that keeps me from knowing you. As hard as it is to ask, god do whatever it takes to break me i trust you i know that you are good let's take a moment of quiet ask god to speak to your heart this morning lord we often offer up our prayers to you our loving, merciful Savior. Come by your Spirit and work in our broken hearts and draw us close to you. For we pray it in Jesus' name.